friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 596. We're recording on November the 21st. And uh, yeah, it's cold here in Toronto, probably where Abriana is too. How are you? I'm good. It is cold here. Yes, it is cold, but the sun is out. So yes. I will I will take it. Um, but I'm good. You know, we have Thanksgiving coming up this Thursday. So just, you know, a really busy work week for the next two days and trying to um, be ready to have some downtime with family and friends. So I'm excited. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all that's going on here, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Well, yeah, to all of our American friends, uh, happy uh, Thanksgiving for sure. Uh, it's always a great time to get together with friends and family. Um, yeah, and you know I'm super thankful um, to be in Toronto because uh, our friends just around the other side of the lake in Buffalo got uh, about seven feet of snow uh, over the weekend. So that uh, and we got nothing, literally nothing. Wow. And, and we're like an hour drive away, so it's kind of on you know on the same lake. So it's kind of crazy. That's crazy. Um, it is. But, we're also grateful for all of our listeners. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and we have the World Cup on now. So lots, lots going on over there and lots of controversy about that yeah. um, and some location tracking as well going on, which we'll talk about uh, maybe in a few episodes from now, later, uh, later, uh, maybe early December as that comes to a close. But uh, we have a good show for you. Four stories as per usual, uh, some interesting news, some acquisitions, and uh, I'll let Abriana kick us off. Okay, well, let's go over to the QSR area and talk about Subway. They have unveiled a new smart fridge, so they're trying to take advantage of um, other locations besides their restaurants, right? Think of airports, truck stops, etc. So they have these fridges, think about kind of, um, you know, a vending machine on steroids, if you will, that will be fully stocked and made. Uh, freshly made sandwiches, drinks, chips, you know, the normal thing that you would get when you walk into a Subway uh, traditional restaurant. And so this is part of their like grab and grow, grab and go that is growing <laughs> program that is growing uh, for these non-traditional locations. So some of the tech features that they've built into their machines include the ability to speak to the fridge. So you can ask questions about probably like what's in a sandwich perhaps. Um, and about the selections that are inside. And then there's also a weight sensing component. So the shelves can um, recommend the right amount, right? So say, this is how much it weighed, this is what was taken out and they can therefore uh, charge the correct amount. Also something that they mentioned was that after every purchase, the fridge has um, you know, a self-sanitation aspect to it with UVC light, which is very interesting and probably important when it comes to food. Uh, they they first opened this this uh, type of fridge in September, so just a couple of months ago at the University of California, San Diego, and now this is like part of their growing investment. So they have over 400-ish grab-and-go locations, um, and that includes unmanned kiosks and coolers and now these, these smart fridges. So about 5,900 of the North American restaurants um, you know, more than 25% of their footprint are in colleges, hospitals, airports, truck stops, things of that nature. So I think this is obviously a more economical way to scale up. And um, some numbers that are important to, to hear about the success here is that they reported that for this past year, same store sales are up 13% compared to 2021. 
and um, they have a Subway series menu, which is this preset menu of 12 different sandwiches, and it has helped lift same store sales by 8.4% just in this last third quarter. Um, so obviously, I think this is, you know, a way to improve and uh, extend their reach at a very cost-effective level. So I think this is uh, smart, especially if you can service like a, a regional area with, you know, fresh sandwiches and things of that nature. I feel like it'd be kind of difficult to do, but, um, you know, you see this inside of like a lot of gas stations all the time, not only the Subway sandwich stores, but, you know, you see like these pre-made sandwich selections. So why not just have a special uh, smart fridge that is powered specifically for Subway? Um, and it sounds like a lot of, of these probably locations are reaching out and asking about, hey, how can I kind of, you know, rent one of these or be a franchisee for one of these smart fridges and have this included in my offerings or stores? Um, so I think this is smart, right? Like, I think that convenience is key. We know this, like there's more and more factors. Uh, we're just trying to figure out like, how do we engage and get what we want in the fastest way possible? And so I think that this is something that can be somewhat um, contained, obviously, than more than like a kiosk that's open, as well as just serviced and, um, you know, easily updated and, and tracked. So I think that it's a, it's a smart rollout. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. Not a lot to add there. I think for me, <clears throat> a couple thoughts. Uh, so I think one is I, I like this for existing franchisees, you know, uh, as a way to drive incre in incremental revenue, because basically they pop these fridges into, you know, local businesses. And then it's, it's the actual local franchisee that's making the sandwiches and then, you know, putting them in, uh, you know, in, in those local fridges and they're deriving the, the incremental revenue from that. So I like that as a franchisee, as a way to sort of, you know, find new ways to, you know, increase your, uh, you know, your sales and, and uh, you know, draw more customers and things like that. So that's really cool. I think that the other, the question I have, I guess, is, you know, are these fridges, wherever they're going to be placed in the colleges, hospitals, airports, et cetera, do they show up, you know, when you like go and do like a Google search for subway locations? So like from a local search point of view, you know, are they going to sort of optimize, you know, their search results or have them listed as actual subway locations? Because I think, you know, for a lot of people, you know, when you're looking, you know, um, for food, and you jump on Google or you jump on, you know, whatever you're using to do that, you know, or Waze or what have you, um, you know, I think it's important that if you're going to have all these additional sort of mini outlets, if you will, with, with these fridges, that they show up on, on the search results, right? Because I think, um, you know, that, that just is going to increase your likelihood of success in, in driving revenue. So hopefully they're thinking about that. Um, I know a lot of our friends at companies like Rio and DevHub and, and whatnot are probably on it already. So, um, in, in getting them, getting them listed, but, um, to me, I think that's important. And I guess the, you know, obviously, you know, these guys, Subway's been in, in sort of decline, you know, in terms of number of stores and things like that over the last number of years. So I, I see this as a great way to do that. And, and the model's not new. I mean, it's not, it's very similar to, you know, how Krispy Kreme operates, you, you see they they have their sort of the main Krispy Kreme sort of bakery uh, franchisees where they're cranking them off the line and you can watch the watch the experience. But then they have a lot of like local, you know, other outlets where, you know, th that franchisee is making the donuts and then, you know, uh, you know, putting them on a shelf somewhere else, uh, even in Walmarts and things like that. So um, I think it's, uh, it's a model that can work. So I like it. 
All right. Yeah. So on to our next story now. So uh, this one uh, is an acquisition. So our friends at Retail Next, uh, Alexi and, and, and company out in California, have made an acquisition of a competitor, uh, a UK-based com competitor called Retail Performance. So these guys are companies that play in the space of foot traffic monitoring, uh, indoor you know, positioning, uh, you know, building uh, heat maps and traffic flow patterns, you know, within stores and buildings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and Retail Next is certainly a company that, you know, from an LBMA point of view, we've worked with over the years. Um, and so, you know, I think from what I've read about this, it, it, it's simply about market share and expansion, you know, so they, um, they say that, you uh, you know, they, they see this as a way to sort of increase their presence in Europe and Asia. Um, the, they're currently tracking a billion customer visits across more than 4,500 retail locations in 50 countries. Uh, and so it's just about, you know, gaining more market share and scale um, and uh, a bit of a sort of acquihire as well. So they get 40 new employees coming in as part of the acquisition. Uh, as well as uh, expanding their operations to the Philippines, uh, where they don't have um, a, a, an office presence today. That that is Retail Next doesn't, uh, and obviously you know uh, grow their their footprint in the UK where Retail Performance is based. So um, you know I don't have a lot more to say about this other than to say that I think, and we talked about this at our Retail Loco conference recently in Atlanta that. Um, I think we're starting to see a bit of a resurgence now in, in Bluetooth beacon technology and indoor uh, positioning again. And I think, you know, it, it's not unlike, you know, sort of the, the rebirth of the QR code, you know, that COVID kind of, you know, brought back to us, you know, with everybody scanning everything on menus and so on. And in a lot of ways, I think, you know, beacon networks and indoor positioning networks were built, you know, for uh, targeting purposes you know, I would say a lot of them in 2014 and 15, 16, um, and kind of sort of, you know, you know, died out with COVID because you didn't have foot traffic in stores in the same way. And now that that traffic's coming back, uh, I think you're starting to see a resurgence on that as well. And I think that coupled with, um, you know, the changes in, in privacy around the IDFA and, and Google ad ID and things like that, I think finding other ways to understand where people are using hardware-based sensors and things like that are, are you know, driving a new sort of resurgence of these technologies. So um, I see a lot of opportunities for companies in this space. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. I mean, I don't have a ton to add, but I do think that more and more uh, indoor navigation is like needed. It's almost as if we forgot how to find certain things in certain places because we were ordering everything online for so long. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it never fails that I walk into a grocery store that is perhaps a different location than my typical one. And I'm just trying to find that really, you know, that thing really quick. And a lot of times it's like a mega grocery store here and um, just being able to get to certain areas and, and understand like what aisle it's on and which side of the store it's on and all of that is needed. So that's like just a small, you know, way that I think of, okay, if I could just navigate this within the app, it would be really helpful. Um, but I do think that more and more, again, this is going to be, to be important. And especially when you think of very like dense areas and not being able to even use GPS a lot of times, right? In those areas where it'd be very effective that uh, we're gonna have more and more need for this, so. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, so um, sticking kind of with, with location data, a location-based marketing and analytics startup out of Montreal called Draco, D-R-A-K-O, has um, announced that it is now supporting Unified ID 2.0, um, which is this upgraded identity solution that um, you know is built for the open internet. If you're not familiar, uh, this is also called UID 2. Uh, well, it's also enabling this partnership with notable DSP, the Trade Desk. So the Draco data will now be available via Trade Desk platform for buyers. And, um, you know, Trade Desk doesn't really have like its own proprietary data within their marketplace that I know of, but they enable a whole host of third party data. So this will be, you know, available, something that you can activate via the Trade Desk platform. Um, so really what this allows advertisers to do is to create this identifier from hashed and salted email addresses. Um, and this is in an effort to maintain the value of or the reach of a specific audience um, across the internet while aiming to obviously keep those privacy controls that continue to be um, you know, at the forefront of everything happening in the advertising industry. So basically this is one of the many workarounds um, you know, for the cookie-less future and for what we've seen as the deprecation of IDFA um, identifiers and still being able to reach that unique audience. So if you have a unique audience, you have those email addresses and you want to continue to reach them across your advertising, this would allow that as well. Um, so this will be available either direct uh, Draco's in-house managed service department or, you know, can be activated through, um, you know, the trade desk. So, you know, to me, this is kind of like... Um, you know, another run of the mill marketplace activation. We've got tons of other location-based providers that have uh, these prepackaged audiences or the ability to do this potentially, uh, whether that's Foursquare, you know, everything that they did through Placed and Factual and all of those. Um, and then you've got, you know, Place IQ that had theirs and like point of interest visitors and all of these other um, pieces that are, that are available through various marketplaces. So this is just another extension of that in my mind. Um, but what I do like about this is that the, the fact that this is available through in-house managed services, um, and then they're just enabling this and getting probably a little bit more, a uh, little more buy-in and a little more usage when you're available on a platform like the Trade Desk that is just used by so many. Um, it's kind of table stakes if you're trying to sell audiences and location-based audiences specifically and connecting those dots. So um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's not rocket science. It's done by a lot of other players in the space, but uh, for a startup, it's good to see that they're, you know, partnering with a really large company and making, making some headwind there maybe. Thoughts? Yeah, again, like I think you covered it. I, I, I would say, you know, number one, uh, as, as Canadian, great to see Canadian tech startups, uh, you know, like this, uh, you know, having success and getting their themselves on a platform like the trade desk that everybody's using. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the way that, you know, they're, they're approaching it with, you know, uh, audience segments for targeting, you know, purposes, I think is, is absolutely what, um, you know, the brands and the agencies that, that we work with uh, at the LVMA uh, are looking for right now. I think there's, you know, generally a movement away from, uh, you know, specific, uh, targeting, um, you know, based on individual IDs or, um, you know, that true one-to-one -one type of approach. And we've talked about this before and more towards this sort of audience or cohort based, um, you know, uh, marketing, uh, type of campaign. So, 
yeah, I don't know a lot about their, you know, their specific data sets at Draco. I, I, I will uh, investigate that further. In fact, I'm actually heading to Montreal tomorrow. So maybe I can find some time to squeeze in a, a quick meeting with these guys uh, while I'm there. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this, you know, this makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, uh, being on a platform like the Trade Desk is, uh, is a win uh, just in terms of, you know, scale and visibility to, to what you're doing. Um, you know, especially when you're a startup. So good for, good for that. All right, final story. Uh, so we're gonna talk about uh, two companies that uh, you probably know within the LVMA community. So the first is NextNav. Um, so NextNav has been very, very active in kind of the 3D, uh, three-dimensional uh, locationing, uh, positioning uh, type of technology, doing a lot of work also in uh, the AR and VR space. Uh, and they have announced a new licensing partnership with a very active LVMA member company called Medcom, which is uh, based in our Japanese operations. Um, and uh, so this is around delivering what they call a resilient, precise, and secure solution for 3D position, navigation, and timing. Um, and so, uh, or otherwise known as a PNT solution, so position, navigation, and timing. Uh, and this is happening in Japan. Um, uh, Metcom is going to deploy the uh, NextNav uh, terrestrial beacon system, which is called TerraPoint, uh, into this uh, PNT kind of crit critical infrastructure play that's going on uh, in Japan right now. So Metcom does a lot of work um, with uh, the government uh, in, in the Japanese market. Um, and this is sort of a, an alternative way to do positioning, you know, other than using, you know, satellite positioning or uh, the GPS systems or, or things like that, um, that typically can be more accurate and, and more viable. And I think specifically uh, when we're talking about location and targeting and, and accurate positioning uh, technology, you know, the, the 3D piece of it or the, you know, having sort of not just lat long, but you know, some sort of altitude uh, component, um, I think becomes really important, especially in a market like Japan, where you have high density and lots of skyscrapers and, uh, you know, multi-story shopping malls and things like that. Um, it becomes, you know, really, really important. And, and when you're talking about, you know, sort of critical infrastructural type of services, you know, emergency services or things like that, then, um, you know, it, it, it's absolutely necessary, then, right? You know, to have, you know, that accuracy, right? Um, and, uh, you know, some of the sort of more traditional, um, uh, you know, tracking type of solutions, you know, have, have uh, you know, issues when they run into to walls and concrete and pillars and, and other kinds of things that we've talked about. So that having, you know, sort of a blend of, you know, what we we're talking about earlier with, with um, companies like, uh, um, the uh, retail next uh, and the indoor positioning space, um, you know, and the importance of that uh, in terms of accurate mapping indoors, it, it, then applied to sort of critical infrastructure um, and having accurate positioning um, becomes, you know, even more important. So I like this partnership and obviously for, you know, especially, especially for our partners, Metcom over uh, in Japan, I think this is a great play for them as they team up with, you know, the Kyocera and Sony are part of the, you know, the, the rollout that they're doing there in Japan uh, with this as well. Um, so uh, I think it's great. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, not a ton to add. I think you covered a lot of it. It's good to see um, a mashup of 
of what I feel is like a good, a good partnership and expansion for both teams. Um, and so again, like those location services are needed. Um, you know, it can be tough to navigate, especially in a really dense and, um, you know, urban area that's grown like taller and not, you know, more spread out. So, um, yeah, I like seeing this. I think it's important. Yeah. So that's our show for this week, folks. Uh, you've been listening and watching episode 596 of Location Weekly. Yes, we're only four away from 600 now. That's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, we thank you as always for your time. Um, and if you have story ideas, reach out to us. If you have feedback on something we've covered, we want to hear about that too. Give us some likes, some love um, on uh, you know whichever you know platform you're consuming this on. And also the other thing I should mention is uh, we have just recently announced uh, the uh, launch of our best retail cases uh, platform here in North America. So if you have a great case study that you want to highlight, uh, I encourage you to go to bestretailcases.com, uh, put in your, uh, your case study there into the platform. Uh, we've just recruited an amazing jury uh, that's going to be going through all those case study submissions and the awards uh, for our first North American cohort will be presented uh, at NRF uh, in January in New York. So I know Abrianna will be in New York for sure. So you can, you can see her. <laughs> in <person. laughs> um, all right, everybody. Thanks and have a great week. Bye. Bye.